This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning. Good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Man Cave in the Melbourne Law Studio, the Manly Command Center in the Piney Woods. A little foggy today, a little uh, uh, groggy looking out there. So, um, uh, we'll just have to do what we can uh, do with what we got to work with here. And maybe the sun will break loose. Let me get my, all my adjustments done here. Maybe the sun will break loose in a little bit and we'll have a nice day. But be that as it may, we all know this is, after all, the uh, last day of the year, is it not? And it's been a really eventful year for yours truly here. The last couple of years have. And I I uh, appreciate all of you staying with me. And um, um We've had some good help. Tim Martin helped out a lot. And earlier in my first little session here with um, the uh, uh, world of uh, mortality, why uh, had some other folks step in. I want to give thanks to them. I always intended to personally thank them. Then COVID came along and kind of sidetracked us on that. So it's, um, it, you know, it is what it is. But I was always going to try to, to, to uh, keep that uh, uh, in, in the session here. Um, but it just didn't come to pass. So uh, we're hoping we can get that done sometime. And first, I'm adjusting some computers here while I while I'm talking to you. Um, the the um, news today is kind of interesting. Uh, hopefully, therefore, to be interesting to you. Um, in that, um, it's the end of the year, and we can look back a little bit. I don't do a traditional summation of the year deal. You see that a lot of places. Hello, Harmon. Um, Yes, it's been an interesting year, and, and I'm glad to be with you. I'm glad you guys are with me. Um, um, we um, really are getting down to where we're one of the few news outlets locally, locally along probably with the Logical Chronicle, my good friends, uh, Lynn and Jennifer Cabrera. Um, there is no, if, for those of you who live out of town, uh, Ken, for example, lives in Atlanta, Harmon's out of town. Um, we don't have a paper printed today. Gainesville sunset is really sunsetting. Uh, there's no paper. And they have put up unapologetically that um, the even the digital copy is abbreviated and only has games and things like that in it and crossword puzzles. I got a, a notice from a very important citizen in the community yesterday evening who watches and is a fan of this show quietly, silently, because of the position of this person uh, in the community. Uh, and a lot of people do that. They're uh, Democrats and they don't want the Democrats, other Democrats to know that they watch and appreciate this show because they think this is a right wing show and it's anything but that. It's just a classroom with a professor in it who is uh, trying to uh, teach the students to go think for themselves and get based on the right information. And I try to help them get the right information. But be that as it may, the person who contacted me uh, was very alarmed that really it's just down to a couple of voices here in the community. Mine is probably the most complete of any, including radio people, uh, uh, and, and, and in terms of getting you the truth straight from the uh, shoulder and letting you deal with it there. Um, we don't have the FCC hanging around us, but we do have Facebook, as you know. I had a fan contact me. Uh, very, very surprised that, um, and I'll disguise the sex here, that the individual who contacted me found itself, isn't that something, itself uh, on restriction because this individual had changed Build Back Better to Build Back Bolshevik. And Facebook had decided that Build Back Bolshevik was, was a, untrue, that therefore it should be taken down and the person who put it up be put on restriction simply for having fun, is there? I mean, is that the tongue in cheek? You would think 
everybody knows that Bill ba back Bolshevik, who has any sense, um, is kind of a joke. But this left-wing woke world run by artificial intelligence and the, and the, and the pre-millennials now, I'm being corrected by the millennials, who are no longer associating with the pre-millennials because they say, we're not like those guys. Um, uh, you know, trigger all this uh, kind of uh, censorship, apparently. And the lady was actually absolutely stunned. And I, I said, welcome to the welcome to the to the to the, to the world uh, run by increasingly. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more today, because finally, the Wall Street Journal has finally caught up with the Ward Scott files. I think it's so interesting that what I'm going to get to in a little bit with you is finally being written about in the Wall Street Journal when I've been talking about it for a long, 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 long time. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, um, it is what it is. I had to turn that off. It was a phone come up, call coming in. If you want to call me, call me on 352-325-3938, okay? So um, we have um, called the show today, Conformity Crack Up. And uh, that's, by the way, the Melden Law Hotline. 352-325-3938. Uh, Jeffrey Mellon is a great fan, great supporter of the, of the Award Scott Files. We really can't say enough appreciation for him. Uh, and some of you who are donating, we really appreciate you keeping us going. Um, a couple of things have come my way from the research team, the vast research team out there in the public. Um, and I want to ask production to put up this um, uh, little thing from the Alachua County uh, school board that was sent to me that uh, has come from um, the superintendent's world. And uh, the person who sent it to me is just stunned uh, that the, um, it, find it incredulous that a superintendent would have time for this. And what we have here is, uh, is um, a, a, a communication guideline. Uh, I don't know if it's up yet because I run a little bit behind you. Okay, it's up there now, and I'll see it in a second. It's a communication guideline. This was sent to me by a member of the research team, if you will, in the community, who shall remain anonymous because this person, uh, uh, you know, once again, um, likes to be uh, in the shadows. But um, uh, here we are, this Alachua County uh, uh, Public Schools, and uh, these guidelines... Um, I, you tell me if you think this is, you know, the, now the city of Gainesville has some really restrictive uh, behavior. Uh, they don't anymore let you email, as I understand it, uh, the commissioners or read their email. I, I, it's a public record. Whereas still the Lachua County, you have to hand it to Mark Sexton and that crowd. Uh, they're very transparent. Um but uh, but here is a is a, you know I don't know what this makes you think of but I'll read through it with you. Uh, adapt, adapting to these guidelines ensures our communication is clear. And then there's a word here that um, I, I I don't get the you know actionable and demonstrates care. What are you what are you talking about? Demonstrates care. Um, what they obviously are reacting to they are all the people who are disgusted with them. And they don't want to have to deal with it. And yet they want to be able to meet the minimum requirements of the law. It's pretty clear that they're irritated by dissent. They're, ir they're irritated by uh, opposing points of view. And they don't want to be bothered with it. And they're being bothered with it. And they're being inundated with it. And rather take a look in the mirror and find out what it is that bringing people to this position, um, they blame the people. and. They do it indirectly by creating this restrictive, if you will, bottleneck whereby you may communicate. So it says here, please only send emails Monday uh, uh, through Friday between 6 a.m. to 7, between 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. No holidays or weekends. I, I you know, I'm not going to attempt to explain the logic for you here. I'm just going to uh, share with you what was shared with me with great alarm, by the way, when it was shared with me by the person who shared it. We all work our own different hours. What? 
What? What? This is what you're paying somebody uh, six figures for? Uh, use the Gmail delay delivery feature to send emails first thing the next morning. In other words, they are, they're, 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 their servers are being crashed by people complaining about their behavior. And they won't let you go to the microphone uh, with any kind of freedom. They, 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 they sling them out right and left down there. They're rude to the public. Um, and then it says, please respond within two business days. This is, I guess, internal and external communication guidelines. Include people. Primarily, I think it's aimed at the internal people. But it's a response to the external people. Uh, and then you see the rest of the thing, what to uh, down to what you put in the line and down to what you put in a CC line and down to what you put in a blind copy line. Uh, you know, and then the, then the, the words which must be included uh, if you're going to expect anything to be done and what it is you want to have uh, done. Um, I, I, I don't know if this school board is going to get it together. Uh, the, the, from everything I can uh, find out, uh, Lin, the linchpin is Hyatt and whether he's got a set and whether he will uh, finally do the right thing and bow up. And, and the other votes are there, apparently, with Paulson and, uh, and uh, the lady uh, appointed by the governor. So to get rid of the superintendent and stop being the superintendent from everything I can learn is a puppet of certain, of Tina certain. Uh, who was pretty angry lady, uh, pretty accusatory, not very well informed, um, really in over her head, um, still bitter about the fact that he couldn't pull off the triumphant with Dion McGraw. Uh, and then you see the rest of the electronic communications. And then it says, reminder, electronic communications of public record. So this is an internal communication guideline but it is a public record, so we've got it. So now it's an external public record guideline. And we're putting it out here so that you'll know uh, what you're dealing with when you try to communicate with the Alachua County School Board or anybody in that school board business. Um, if we didn't put this out here, I don't think you would know it. I uh, haven't checked to see if they put it out themselves to help you understand the restrictions that are on the people with whom you're trying to communicate. So um, I don't know that uh, uh, you would know this if we didn't put it out there. So we appreciate the member of the research team who sent this to me and who is appalled by it and uh, questions it and wanted us to get it out. And so we've gotten it out. So um, that is um, uh, not probably going to change. That probably indicates the tone, the tenor, of what you're dealing with, with in the Lachua County uh, public school system. Um, you know, it's, um, it's been uh, less than uh, uh, um, civil, if you will. And it's something that um, uh, eventually, I suppose, will, uh, water will seek its own level. But uh, right now, very little, it seems, of the decisions that are, or the issues that are being discussed really have much to do with uh, educating the young people. Um, of course, the crime drum keeps on here. Uh, we have a uh, story about the local Point West shooting. I want to just cover that a little bit because I want to tell you about the rap sheet of the guy who, who was involved. And of course, this should not uh, surprise you. Um, the uh, Point West shooting suspect was out on $35,000 bond, okay, so oh, let me enlarge this a little bit so I can see it. Uh, over time, this person has been uh, involved with a third degree felony, con a concealed weapon, unlicensed, carrying it, uh, burglary of an of unoccupied conveyance. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Larceny, grand theft. Uh, let's see, fraudulent, illegitimate use of credit cards. Once again, carrying a concealed weapon loitering or prowling, um, also resisting an officer uh, without violence. Um, and I don't know what all that would do. I don't know the details of that. But this is the type of character that we're talking about uh, that is walking the streets next to you, 
uh, that is in the gas station pump line next to us, who is, uh, you know, going through Sam's or going to uh, uh, the, one of the restaurants, fast lane, fast food, whatever. Uh, this guy is, you know, obviously a committed criminal, a young guy, a minority. Um, and I explained yesterday what I had come to understand about the dynamics of a gang and how they choose their leaders and what the function of the gang is. And I uh, referenced a book you might read. Uh, somebody also mentioned Lord of the Flies. But uh, I think Yerzy Kaczynski's Painted Bird is an excellent one that would explain the type of behavior you see in people like this one here. Now, the problem is the judicial system. If you talk to the uh, law enforcement guys, um, they, they think they're doing everything they can do. Plus, they're risking their lives. There was just a story out a minute ago uh, about a killing of a police officer in another town. Uh, and I've got it. I just don't have it. It's in the midnight auto yard here. Um, the, the two officers, one male, one female, uh, answered a disturbance call. And the way they did it, there was a, a person who called and said that there was a dog barking in a parked car in the hotel and the motel a parking lot. There was a windows rolled up. So the, the cops came to find out who in the heck would, you know, roll the windows up and leave the dog barking in the car and found the room of the people who owned the car and went up and knocked on the door initially to say, hey, listen, you know, you got a dog down here that people around here are concerned about. It's barking in the rolled up car window car you got. Uh, and the next thing you know, uh, they shoot the one cop and kill her and shoot the other cop and put him in critical condition. And all they had done, the cops, was go up there and ask, you know, what can you, can you do anything about the barking dog? And, you know, what you do, though, when you do that is you run into characters like this one in the, this latest situation, and they occur every day and every night, and every morning and every afternoon somewhere in this town and certainly somewhere in the United States of America. Um, this felonious individual or individuals walking among you, and one guy said in this hotel, in this apartment complex where this shooting took place, I just, I'm just glad I wasn't going down to my car and got uh, ca caught in some kind of crossfire. <clears throat> so uh, we just, uh, I don't know, we could probably post this rap sheet. Now, uh, let me give you two guesses. Let me take a sip of my throat lubricant here. I could probably give you two guesses and the first one wouldn't count as to who the bond agency is, uh, Jim Murphy's watching, Lloyd Bailey, David Wilson, you guys, you could probably guess who the bond agency is that uh, bonds these kind of guys out. And, uh, and, and as I say, I give you two guesses and the first one doesn't count. And it's a Rodney J. Long bail bonds business. Um, Rodney Long, um, it, you know, is in cahoots, if you will, in the system that we have in, uh, of, uh, it's really a revolving door. Uh, these guys have already established, I'm just looking at this one character here, uh, Antonio Marcellus Bowers Jr. Um, Antonio Marcellus Bowers Jr. has this rap sheet already well established. He's well known to the law when they answer the call because any wise cop is going to look up to see what he's getting ready to walk into. And it's always dangerous because these people are always floating around uh, amongst the rest of us. And so who and how does that happen? Well, you go to the court system and you can take a look at the judges and you can take a look at the judges that release these guys. And I, for the life of me, I, I can't figure out why. Uh, I, I guess because the liberal commissioners will complain that the jail's overcrowded. And so you can't throw them in the jug, right? There's more of them uh, cutting up criminally out here in our society than the local jug has room for. Um, and we don't, uh, uh, you know, we don't, set, we don't throw away the key on anybody. So what do you do? And we know the root cause of the problem is the absence of the father in the home, which is the absence of the home which is uh, uh, complicated by the promiscuity of the woman and then further complicated by the endorsement and, 
and support of that by the government and title programs. So we're just up here floating around on the top of the water. Uh, the real issues are way below the water. And there's some that I just mentioned to you. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm just telling it to you in a condensed uh, way that since we don't have a newspaper and we don't have much of a, I like the guys over at Channel 20, but they don't have the time to do in-depth stuff. Um, we're kind of doing it. And, and um, here, here, here's, a, here's a case in point. I mean, uh, this is not an anomaly. This is not an exception to what we have going on in the community. And it's only going to get worse, in my humble opinion. Now, we also have another character here who is come from this community who is, I, I, I hope you understand how I'll probably go into this in greater depth in Coach Hogg's locker room on Monday because it's really a tale. I mean, it involves Clinton Portis. Clinton Portis was, um, you know, didn't come to the University of Florida, although he graduated from Gainesville High School. Uh, he's in this ring of people. He knows all these people. These are his peers. Um, uh, at some point, they were brothers or little brothers or families that they all, you know, you know what I'm saying. And and Rodney Long, he lives right down the road from Rodney Long out on Monteoka Road. Um, so he goes to the NFL and he has a $43, $45 million contract and he gambles and loses it all and then turns around and has a health care fraud scheme from the NFL healthcare system and defrauds the NFL healthcare system. And so the government is ready to throw the book at this guy. And we have here a copy of, I'm, I don't know, we may put it up. It's just after a while, you, you run out of a bulletin board space for these type of creatures. Um, uh, this is United States District Court, Eastern District of Kentucky in Lexington. And the United States sentencing position regarding defendant Clinton Portis. And it goes into the background of Portis and all the charges and how they came to government kind of came to level them. I'm just going to do a summary here of this right now. Um, it goes into his personal characteristics and his offensive behavior. It goes into his career and financial situation after retirement. Um, he just didn't have any discipline when it came to money. And the system kept feeding him money. In this uh, uh, court filing, it points out that once Portis went through the $45 million that the NFL gave this guy to, to run up and down a field, um, he then uh, was paid for, as an announcer another six-figure sum. And so, you know, and here, you know, what this makes me think of, is we have not disciplined this type of obsession with this sport as a civilization. We've done, we, we actually have loosened the purse strings. We now, if Clinton Portis were actually in college and he went to the University of Miami, he might even be able to do it in high, I don't know, high school, I don't know. He certainly could have done it at the University of Miami. He could be selling his name and his wares, and if he were playing today as a college player, already making money, tons of money, and already representing car dealerships, like the local kid is here who is not even tried and proven yet. Um, and so it's not, we don't have this type of ethics or uh, value, value uh, under control. We've really enhanced it and spread it. Um, we're not, uh, thank you, Don Printer Bailey, for the for Happy New Year. We're, we're, we just did a little summation on the year a minute, minute ago. Thank you, sir. Uh, so Portis is uh, earning money from all sorts of endeavors and spending it really faster than he can earn it. And he, I don't know what goes through his head, but he must think that, wow, a kid like me, all of a sudden, uh, it, it, you know, I, I make more money than the University of Florida president does. Let me, let me take a sip on it. Have you thought of that, my, my friends? Clinton Portis makes more money, or did, than the uh, University of Florida president did, or does, or whatever. Uh, this, is, this is where we are as a society. And uh, 
you know, in Portis's defense, he didn't, you know, go out and, and create the system that would give him $45 million. And, and then on turn on top of that, when he blew that, put him on the sideline as some kind of announcer. So uh, that is really under our heading today on our uh, um, presentation here of what's going on locally. You've got a school board that is trying its best to blunt communication with the public. We have an internal document that's leaked here that gives you some indication of the restrictions that the uh, members of the world of education in this county are under if they're to communicate with each other or the outside world. And in turn, it gives you an indication of how the outside world would have what its chances are or what it would be of communicating with the school board world. So it's, it's not a free and open society as everybody likes to think this is America and we're free and this is now. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're, and this is evidence of it, of, of enormous, uh, you know. So what are we looking at as its institutions? Its education system is screwed up. Its legal system is screwed up. And um, its entertainment world is screwed up. That's America. I mean, it's really kind of a damning profile. If you take these three issues and look at them as how they are indicators of American life. Now, we got school teachers that are busting their butts. I mean, I'm telling you right now, I was talking to a lady the other day who's a school teacher, a good one. And by the time she pays her rent, and by the time she pays her gas, and by the time she pays her insurance and whatever other, and buys her food, she's broke. She's broke. And she is literally not, not she's not just, she's not getting subsidies. She's not getting entitlements. She's working. And um, on top of that, she's got to put up with this crap out of the school board. Now, you know, you go test the waters yourself. You go talk to these people and ask them how they're making it. How in the world are they making it? I mean, I'm just thinking, of, and this lady doesn't live in a, in a place that is uh, one of the plush luxury condominium slash apartment complexes around here. This is one that provides you with the roof and, you know, central heat. Well, not even cent maybe central heat and air, at least a window unit. Um, you know, and that's it. And, and uh, a couple of rooms, which are not really even separated from each other with a kitchen, it kind of blurs into the rooms. And that, by the time you pay the rent on that and the, and the GRU bill, come on now, and the GRU bill, and then you got to have a car, you're screwed. I mean, come on, come on, come on, quit. It's disgusting. It's really disgusting. And, and you know, if you want to comment on it, uh, you know, by the by the Melton Law Hotline 352-325-3938. I'm looking over here at your comments uh, on the Facebook chat live. Uh, we're going to take a bottom of the hour break in a minute and uh, uh, thank our sponsors. Um, uh, we got a couple. We got a new one coming on. I'll announce at the beginning of the year, and uh, we 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 like to have a couple more and really help us out. So, and we do thank those of you who donate. Uh, and I do hand usually write you a handwritten card thanking you for that. And uh, you're very much appreciated. And, uh, you know, it's, it enables us to keep it going with production and and uh, get, try to bring you the best show. Because it's really, you're looking at a one-man show here. I'm, I'm, I'm primarily the researcher. I'm the staff. I'm the presenter. Uh, got help with production. They're great guys. Um, and, you know, it, it's just the way it works. I mean, we don't, you know, we're doing what we can do to help out the community. And that's that's very much appreciated that you appreciate it. So we're going to take a little bit of a bottom of the hour break here. I, I'm talking uh, production to give me a little more time than just the sponsors. Play some of the little ditties we got because um, keep my keep my, uh, my voice kind of lubricated. So uh, thank you. We'll be right back in just a moment. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are 
on-the-spot dry cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, r r Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. I was up working on some project here with uh, the biomass. Why don't they just turn it into a brewery? Check this out, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Oh, yeah, we're trying to feature a few ditties we got in our smut library. If your brains were large, you couldn't grease a frying pan. Uh, There's a lot of good ones out there. So, uh, um, you know, have some fun. And we try to have a little fun here. And I'm just looking at some of the the comments that you all are putting up here. uh, Lord Bailey is completely out of bounds of teachers that work 12 months. Uh, let me let me just uh, uh, I don't want to get into that because that that kind of gets on my bad side. Um, you know, um, very much so. Uh, let me let me just give you an example uh, real quickly. Um, one of the problems with teaching in the K through 12 system is that you must accept the student anytime the student arrives. And you must teach the student in the language that the student revi- arrives in. So if the student arrives here with un- no English skills and arrives in the middle of the term, and you've had your term planned out, all of a sudden you've got to stop it for the accommodate that student. Um, that's the classroom world. I'm just sort of going to some of the heart of the matters. Uh, most of the people who talk about teaching don't teach. Lloyd Bailey's never taught in his life, unless it's something to do about diving, which I respect. He never been in a classroom. I don't like people who talk about things they don't have, they've never done. Uh, I would never talk about uh, uh, scuba diving ever. I don't think about it. I just keep my mouth shut. I'd listen, but I wouldn't pontificate on it. We have a lot of people doing these kind of things, and I have to take time out and chew my students out once in a while. And I'm chewing my good friend Lloyd Bailey out for that comment. Um, I think it's 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 uh, not thought out well, and and and, and it's a problem. It's a problem. If you notice. I stick very much to what I have researched and what I know about. And I know a hell of a lot. I've lived a long time and I've done a lot of things and I'm not done. Uh, so it helps to have all those credentials when you start uh, entertaining or teaching people who are your students. And I appreciate all of y'all, but at the same time, man, I'm a tough love dude. And if you step out of line, I'll, I'll remind you of that. So, and I would ask you to do the same for me. But so I'm talking about, um, uh, one of the tough things. Now, listen, I was both a classroom teacher and a coach at the same time in the same institution. Now, as a classroom teacher, I had to do what I just described. I had to take a student, whatever he came. I didn't know anything about him, her, her, and I had to deal with what I had. That would never happen as a coach. We would never let that happen. It couldn't happen. You couldn't join the team in the middle of the season. You couldn't uh, come to us and us know nothing about you. If we had you on the team, we knew who you were when you were in the fifth grade. I mean, come on. Uh, And I used to always think that was the strangest thing, that all the great teaching practices that you learn to do, you do on the football field, but you can't do in the classroom. Let me tell you what we did on the football field. We broke down into small groups. We team taught. We practiced, we graded films, and buddy, we were very strict graders. I, I, you almost never saw anybody get a good grade. And by that, I mean an A. I mean, it just didn't exist. And so 
You had to sit there and take it. And we graded you and criticized you in front of your peers. And then we would sit you on the bench and take you out of the lineup if you loafed or didn't do what you were supposed to do. We'd run you after practice till you threw up. And, you know, that was nothing. We couldn't do any of that in the classroom. None of it. But, you know, we team taught. We broke into small groups. We had big groups. Uh, we displayed your accomplishments in front of the community. We very seldomly do that. Uh, you can't name. Uh, you can go around right now. Okay, here's what we're going to do. You can go around right now and name the coaches quite often just at your local high school. But you can't name the teachers, right? Or you can name the coaches at the University of Florida, but you can't name the professors, right? Okay. Case closed. The doctor's office has become an assembly line. I want to talk about that because I want to talk about COVID. Okay. Again, again, and again. Now, here is what is happening to the medical profession. Now, pray to God you don't need it because it's not going to be as good for you as it was uh, 10 years ago. 10 years from now, it will not be the same system it was 10 years ago. And there are a number of reasons why. The biggest reason is that uh, the doctors are overwhelmed with new patients and rheumatology, all these things which people get as they get older. And this isn't uh, something that is promoted by COVID or anything. You get arthritis. Uh, you, your system breaks down. Uh, nature probably programmed us to go as males to about the mid-70s and the women maybe the early 80s. And then you're being kept alive by medical miracles after that. You're not, you're not, if you're in your 70s and your 80s, you're generally there because of medical science. You're not there unless you're a very rare person, as my mother was, who lived to be 107, who got there without any assistance from medical science. A really strange situation. So what's happening is these doctor's offices, privately owned by doctors, are having to close. A 12% this year of all the U.S. doctors either close their offices or are planning to do so. And um, it's exacerbated by the pandemic. Um, that's led to a reduction in the number of independent physician practices. And the hospitals will exert stronger influence over the organization and delivery of health care. And they're going to be manned by hospitalists, not your doctor. OK, you're going to have to search high and low to have, quote unquote, your doctor, all right, your doctor. So the pandemic has just accelerated a trend that uh, started uh, quite a while ago. In 1983, 75 more than 75% of the physicians owned their own practices. And um, by 2018, that had dropped to 46%. Now those guys who own their own practice, a few, they're getting ready to retire. So many practices have now been purchased by hospitals or have merged to form larger clinics. SIMED's a good example locally. While local hospitals have been subsumed into large healthcare systems. Hospital Corporation of America runs North Florida uh, um, Hospital. Uh, so consolidation is the trend now. And you know what happens when you get consolidation? You lose individual rapport. So an AMA report has found that fewer than half of the doctors now work in private practices. And um, there are simply few and fewer places to seek care that you can get without having to go through some kind of bureaucratic mega facility. Now, I'm, I'm talking with you about this under the, a guy, uh, under the topic of COVID, but I'm talking to you about somebody who has been through the system the last couple of years and who never expected to have to go through it, but you never know. You can be in a car wreck. Uh, there's a number of things that can jump out on you, and all of a sudden, you got to deal. you got to deal with it. So medical care... We're, I'm telling you, we don't, we've had these 
people on, on from Canada and Europe. We don't want to go down that road, but um, it, it is really getting difficult for a substantial number of doctors, once they join these big systems, uh, to make independent judgment that is uh, uh, um, results in uh, uh, their authority being the, the final word. Generally, who is paying decides who the final word is. So the doctor may say to you, I would order this test, but your insurance won't pay for it. They can't order the test without you know, somebody paying for it. So uh, uh, you, you have to, you have to, uh, uh, Jim Murphy with Facebook sporadic, go over to YouTube. Um, it's not. So um, um, somebody has to pay for it. And, 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 and doctors are less and less uh, the members of the profession is making the calls. They're more and more becoming the production workers who are operating under very strict bureaucratic control. Um, this is a tendency that I wanted to share with you as a result of, of it's been exacerbated and sped up. It was always in the trend, but it's been exacerbated and sped up by COVID. Um, so we're shifting from the small doctor's office. When I first came to Gainesville, I had a physician who was a great guy. He's by the way, still alive. He's a hundred years old. Uh, he had his own office and, um, you know, across the street from uh, um, the county hospital there, Lodge General. But now we have the big box medical care system. Uh, one of the things that's done it is the cuts in Medicare reimbursement. And this is the thing you've got to be very careful about when the government says we've got to extend health care to all this and that one thing or another. What you're going to do is diminish or erode the quality of health care and the availability of you being able to see a quote unquote doctor. Um, uh, so the private practice service as a business model for medicine is, uh, is, is uh, hit, you know, say, say goodbye. Uh, the Medicare funding mechanisms uh, also encourage the hospitals to buy the private practices. So I, 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 I'm, you know, there we go. You know, uh, you, on the one hand, the country claims uh, we respect individuality. We respect personal freedom personal choice, all that rhetoric that you hear uh, when you get down to the nitty gritty where it really hopefully is applied, it's not there, okay? Um, Medicare reimburses hospitals at higher rates than they do private practices. Um, and uh, uh, there's more and more emphasis on electronic health records that, uh, um, you know, data, you know, when you have, if you're in the hospital and you're being taken care of by hospitalists, and they're okay, but they're eight to five guys. They come in, the first thing they do is they look at the computer to see the data in there about you. They don't know you. They've never seen you before. And they come over, they talk to you, they're very nice. And they say, well, this is that and that and that. And then they enter into the computer, the data that they take while they're there, and then they go. And when they're off work, the next guy comes in and looks at the data that the previous guys have loaded. He doesn't know you. Uh, you don't know him. And, and um, um, there, there you are. You start up a conversation all over again. There is nobody advocating for you, which is the I have several friends right now who are very, very sick. And the issue is on their mind is who is advocating for me? Who is looking out for me? Who is pushing through the bureaucratic tape? which is getting greater and greater all the time, every day. Um, um, and so the, the returning to a larger, more consolidated healthcare system, um, it's not more efficient, except that if you find the doctors in one, he will spend less and less time with you. He's got a lot of pressure on him uh, to see a greater number of patients per day and it's coming not from other doctors, but from the business managers that own the doctor's offices. I know of one doctor here who was one of the last of the great doctors. By that, I mean always accessible, always personable, knew his patients, had patients he'd had for 40 or 50 years, who was suddenly asked to ramp up the number of people he saw each day. And he said, I'm not going to ramp it up because I take time with my people. And they said, well, you can't, 
take time with your people. We expect you to produce X number of interactions per day with people. You're way below what we expect. So he said, the hell with you. I, I quit. And he retired. And, and we lost a great one. We lost one who they'll never repeat. The young ones are, the young ones are not going to be able to be that way. Um, and, and then you have to factor in the possibility that there's flawed electronic health records. We got a problem here. And you want to hope, by golly, that you stay away from it. Um, um, the, um, the, whole, the whole thing is that the doctors are becoming, and I wanted to talk about this with you because it comes under the heading of COVID. It has been exacerbated by COVID uh, because of the uh, crash on the hospitals, the crash on seeing the doctors, and the postponement of routine examinations and health care as a result of, um, of um, um, yeah, Don, there are health care advocates in the area, uh, but I'm talking about um, you're lying in that bed and you're waiting on somebody to come by and see you. That, let's say you have a, a loved one who is in the room with you and will go out to the nurse's station. That loved one can't be there now because of COVID. I absolutely prevented from being there. Uh, I just had a very, very good friend whose, whose wife suddenly had a stroke and lingered and lingered. And finally, uh, the commitment had to be made to not prolong her misery. Um, uh, that was done um, in a system that was trying to do its best it could, but uh, there were limits to bed space, there were limits to doctor availability, and and uh, and there were just practical limits as to how far and how long heroic measures should be taken. So the point is, because it was really near uh, a death's door in this respect, um, the family could see this person only under vaccination, only having been vaccinated. Uh, we ran the story yesterday of the family being uh, evicted from the restaurant in New York because he had not been vaccinated. And I had predicted a long time ago that we would come to this. Um, and I caught a lot of flack for that because, you know, how dare you say there'll be, and well, no, that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. Um, Facebook has finally caught up. I'm just absolutely dumbfounded. We covered this story long before Anybody else covered it? When I had lunch the other day with my screaming liberal friend, my screaming liberal friend, are you ready for this? Who's a Democrat, knew nothing about Facebook funding for elections. Facebook funding for elections. Huh? I sat there and just about choked on my iced tea. You mean to tell me, my screaming liberal friend, you don't know how Facebook funded the elections in Alachua County? The guy knew nothing about it. And furthermore, what irks me is this guy was on a committee years ago <clears throat> that determined, and, 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 and Lloyd Bailey probably be sensitive to this, I know he keeps up with this stuff. Um, years ago, you could give a maximum per election cycle of $500 as an individual or a business to a candidate of your choice. The Democrats complained that that gave the Republicans an unfair advantage because, are you ready for this logic? The Republicans have all the money. We Democrats are po folks. We really are po folks. We were the ones picking the cotton while you're the ones who are on the horseback watching us. That's their mentality. The only problem is there's nobody alive today pick cotton. There's nobody alive today who was on horseback watching. But that's their mentality. And they actually got together, Cynthia Chestnut and this guy that I had lunch with and another couple of guys whom I know, as a community committee and did what? Decided that in the name of fairness, okay? Um, you probably didn't know this. In the name of fairness, 
No longer shall an individual, like one of the friends I have watching right now, I know is always generous in elections and gives a maximum. Very good friend watching I'm seeing show up here. Can only give half now of what he would have given. He would have given $500. He would have given $500 individually. He would have given $500 through his business. His wife would have given $500. This committee said, no, no, no. And this friend I'm talking about is not even a Republican, but he is a conservative Democrat. So the whiny mouth Democrats said, that's an unfair advantage for those who were on horseback while we were picking the cotton. And so we have a maximum now of $250. Well, along comes Zuckerberg, and he decides to underwrite the elections. And here's what he does, and we reported it. The Wall Street Journal has now finally written about it. Now, this is, this is months after I talked about it. I'm talking months. Now, this came, Mark Zuckerberg, Center for Tech and Civic Life. And here's what they did, as I told you. $400 million. It was an unprecedented, phenom unprecedented phenomenon of providing this money directly to local election officials. Kim Barton is one. I learned from this article, by the way, that Barton had to request it. According to this article, I'm going to check that out. I always thought it just the notification arrived in the mail to Barton. But this article in Wall Street Journal says, no, she had to have, and others like her, had to have contacted Zuckerberg and requested the money. And here's the thing. The Center for Tech and Civic Life said, and they dispersed this money to roughly 2,500 counties in 47 states and the District of Columbia. And the reason they said they did it was to ensure a safe and reliable voting in the middle of the pandemic. So here's another COVID story. But the problem is, here's the line, jurisdictions had to request the money. I never knew that. That's a, new, that's a new one on me. But there was no mechanism for oversight or accountability once they had the funds in their possession. And believe me, I know that. Because we went back and checked, and Barton had to answer for, to nobody on how she spent that money. Now, the Foundation for Government Accountability has finally caught up with this and has filed freedom of information requests with more than 1,300 jurisdictions known to have received private election funding. And in North Carolina, 33 counties and the State Board of Elections received a combined $7.5 million. For counties that did provide itemized reports, uh, less than 20% was spent on health-related expenses for COVID, such as personal protective equipment. Most of the money went to poll worker salaries and bonuses and voter information drives and the distribution of absentee ballots. And in Missouri, the liberal county known as Boone County, the money paid for radio advertising. And in Wisconsin, some of the largest cities, which are Democratic, paid for get out the vote efforts. This is Zuckerberg. In Chester County, Pennsylvania, which was one of the key battlegrounds areas outside of Philadelphia, the money went to everything from mailers to registering voters online during voter registration drives. Pennsylvania spent less than 10% of its grant money on health-related expenses. Other states spent even less. They spent the money for election activities that would influence voter behavior. 
Now, listen, we can't say anything about this in such a way that it triggers a censorship from Facebook. Are you with me? They censored us already twice. Okay. But they can tip the scales if they want to. And it doesn't seem anybody in government is going to be able to rein them in. In Pennsylvania, the Biden supporting counties received nearly $5 per registered voter compared with a little more than a dollar in places that voted for Donald Trump. Huh? Eleven states from Arizona and Florida to Ohio and Texas are now enacting laws banning or severely restricting such funding and catching hell. I'm gonna I'm gonna interject here from the liberals because they're calling it voter suppression. Now, Governor Cooper in North Carolina just vetoed an, a, a, a rule, a law like our Republican legislature is pushing. Uh, after the North Carolina legislation pushed a law less like it, he turned around and vetoed it. He defeated the bill that the legislature had passed. I'm telling you, the states are the, are the battlegrounds and the supervisors of elections are the locations of the battle. It's amazing. It, it, it is amazing. None of this. Now, we, we, oh, we're talking. The Gainesville Sunset is not published today and will not be published for a couple of days. They never, ever published anything that I can recall about Zuckerberg funding. Award Scott Files broke the story. OK, I'm going to go back and look in our archives. Maybe we're going to help. And look up the exact date when we did it, when we first aired a story on it. I mean, I think it was a year ago. And that's thanks to the research team, because the information came to me from people who knew that the only outlet for this information to the public, you, would be the Ward Scott Files. It would not be the Gainesville Sunset. It would not be Channel 20. It would be the Ward Scott Files. So I want to thank all of you on the research team who donate and support and keep us going, keep us with information. I want to thank the sponsors and uh, for helping us keep this going. And uh, I'll try to keep it going in, in, in this next year as much as I can. Um, I'm, I'm looking for somebody who could be a co-host once in a while and give me a little, a little spell. It's hard to find. Very, there are no more Ward Scotts. Now, for some of you, that would make you very happy. And for others, it might make you realize um, that this is a special type of experience. But there are no more me. And um, I've been looking. I've been looking high and low for another me. And um, I ain't got one. So you're stuck with me bringing you this information. I've got 9.58 on my clock the last day of 2021. I want to thank um, Evan Miller for being my production guy. I want to thank Reby Productions for staying with us and helping us uh, produce this show. Uh, uh, you know, all the people uh, who, who, who tune in regularly, I encourage you to spread the show and share it. Uh, uh, we're on Spotify, YouTube, uh, um, um, I don't know, Apple Podcasts, and go over to thewardscottfiles.com. We had, I think, 35,000, no, 45,000 visits uh, last month. Um, about 45,000 people visit the wardscottfiles.com website a month. So we keep all the data and analytics on there. Uh, there are a lot of things there. There are documents. There's the mug shots. And uh, I want to thank Jim Murphy, Ken Hillier, Don Printer. I'm watching the names pop up here. I'm just a little bit behind you. So, um, uh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to have you guys as friends and fans. I want to thank uh, Lloyd for allowing me to spar with him and uh, all those, Janet Hunter, 
I'm watching the names flick up here. Brendan Ulrich, I know. Uh, I'm going to leave somebody out. So um, I'm, I'm going to, um, um, you know, probably the Jody Davis, um, uh, all you guys who uh, comment and um, allow me to spar with you a little bit. Sometimes I agree with you and sometimes I don't. Uh, that's okay. That's the way it goes. Um, uh, Lloyd says he's been teaching for over 40 years. Good for him. Uh, great. Great job. Inside the K-12 formal system, that's the kicker I need to know. So, you, you know, have a great time. Have a great year. We'll see you when the uh, new one rolls in. God willing, the creeks don't rise. A Warthog Command Center inside the Melvin Law Studio is going to say goodbye for 2021. Have a great day.